Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the show. That is a little bit of Chicago there, uh, just a little bit. I saw Chicago years ago with the Doobie Brothers. It's an interesting little, little story here. Uh, always wanted to see them. Always pictured the show as being something where everybody would be dancing and singing and having a good time and just sharing the moment. And then by the time I got old enough to, you know, really start thinking about it and get some money together to go and do it, they don't come around together anymore. It was such a bummer, I got to tell you. It really, it really bummed me out. So anyways, um, I got married, you're, you know, at a point in time. And don't you know, the night that we get married, they're going to be in concert, the Doobie Brothers in Chicago. And I went. And I remember thinking, me and my wife went, so the night we, or the day we got married. And I remember thinking, oh, look how old they are, you know, now and whatever. And I think, well, geez, how old am I? <laughs> so there you go. Anyways, another little bit of information from, coming from the music industry, the uh, country music icon Loretta Lynn has passed away. She passed away. She, she's the coal miner's daughter is no longer with us. And, you know, of course, that was her biggest song. And But she passed away on Tuesday at her home in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Now, interesting is Loretta Lynn never kept a secret about her faith in the Lord and so forth. And interesting, again, just a day or so before she passed, she wrote this on her Facebook page um, about coming into the light two days before she died, age 90. And she wrote this. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Isn't that beautiful? So interestingly, I looked that up because I know there's a scripture here. And of course, in John three nineteen through 21, Jesus said, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doth truth, that doeth truth, cometh into the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God." Amen and amen. What a beautiful scripture. I just can't, I, you know, I try to imagine a lot of times what it was like. Well, you know, <coughs> hindsight 2020, excuse me, you know, that he's the Messiah and everything. <laughs> At the time, there, there was great controversy, even amongst the apostles. You know, even though Peter made the confession, you're the Messiah and whatnot, their concept and idea of what the Messiah should be doing ultimately, and in the end, didn't coincide with what happened. And so we have to remember that it's religion, that we have to be careful it doesn't play that big a role, no disrespect, in our faith. It, it, our faith should be in the Word of God, okay? I mean, I understand that a lot of people put their faith and hope and so forth in the preachers and the pastors and so forth, that's fine and dandy as long as, you know, they're not promoting some quote-unquote religious doctrine or dogma as compared to what the Word of God says. 
And at the time that Jesus came, there was significant religious dogma and doctrine that was opposite what the um, Torah had said and so forth and, the, and what they knew as the written word of God at the time. So that being said, just remember, faith, hope, love, trust, everything, Jesus Christ and all others are liars. So let's say our prayer. Oh, well, first of all, the name of the show is Let's Talk. My name is Mike. The name of this episode is Friend or Foe. And if you want to correspond, have something to say or suggest or whatever, good or bad, my email address is letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one at gmail.com. So here's our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, the heavens are your canopy, the earth's your footstool. All things seen and unseen were created and made by you, Lord, for your wisdom and your understanding and your holiness. By your will, O oh God, all things exist, including us. And by your will, Father God, instead of our damnation being eternal, you gave us hope, you gave us Recon or brought to us reconciliation. You made our relationship right with you through Jesus Christ, your son. And I thank you so much, Father God, for that. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, which is inside us today. I pray that thy Holy Spirit touch my heart, my tongue, and my mind, that your words be, be spoken here, Lord, and your truth be known, and your Holy Spirit work amongst your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, and I got to take a drink of water. Excuse me here. All right. So, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And that's in Psalm 37, 4. Now, remember, it doesn't mean that your desire of your heart is a brand new Lamborghini or something like that. You got to keep things in perspective. In Jude chapter 1, it says this. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the day of great judge, uh, unto the judgment of the great day even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over the fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. Now that's in Jude chapter 1. So the it appears that Kamala Harris suffers from the same dementia or something or just idiocy that Joe Biden suffers from. I think Joe Biden, in, in, in the real world or real life, actually does suffer from something. Kamala Harris, I don't know what her... <laughs> she, she is a consummate politician. She can speak around... You know, just keep going around in circles and, and literally never, never gets to where you think she should be going. And I don't know, for me, I just, 
I end up just kind of scratching my head going, okay, whatever. But anyways, so she claimed that climate relief should be equitable and prior prioritize communities of color. Now, Twitter users slammed her for um, all the fire and fury they could muster you'd expect from America's first patriots. Our low, this is what she said. Our lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources about equity. This is what she said. So while the comments were about the government's response to climate change, many interpreted her comments of having broad reach, which would even impact relief for the recent hurricane um, damage down in Florida and wherever else. So the Babylon Bees, Seth Dillon tweeted, speak plainly, Kamala, just say you don't want to help white people. The problem here with what she's saying and what she what her intent is, is people of, you know, color or less affluent communities are going to get the bulk of any resources to rebuild or, or redo and so forth and so on over those who come from a better, you know, higher income community. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Fort Myers, Florida. I used to live in Florida. In fact, I lived just north of Fort Myers in uh, Venice and then in Englewood. And um, I got to tell you, <laughs> I just, I don't even know the words to say what I felt when I saw what Fort Myers looks like. And it just amazes me still, even though I should be used to it by now, that these idiots out of Washington, in this case Kamala, and you know, so forth and so on, as I've said about others before, they just really, I think in my opinion, and the truth be told, they really show you what they're all about and how, you know, out of touch they are. I mean, Pelosi said the other day, you can't be bussing these people out of here. They need to pick it, you know, they need to go picking in the fields or something like that. Are you freaking serious? Think about that for a minute. Who's going who's gonna to pick the crops if you send all these people to Maryland or wherever else? What a racist thing to say. <laughs> but, you know, again, nothing happens. They, they just wash it over, you know. Just They didn't even try to do damage control on that one. It's just beyond reach as far as, you know, trying to make sense of it and figure it out. So let's move on. So the Army has missed its recruiting goal by 25%. Complaints of woke, having to get, you know, the different indoctrinations and uh, so forth and so on. The vaccine thing, you know, the original target of 485,000 was cut by 12,000 in April and then further reduced to 466,000 just to be able to say they made their goal. And guess what? They still haven't made it. It's absolutely insane that they're still pushing this vaccine thing when there's been more than enough information put out there by the, the government themselves and others that, you know, the vaccine isn't something that's like a a cure-all or a catch-all. Evidence or case in point, Biden and 
Dr. Fake and a whole bunch of them all came down with what? COVID. And they got not only the original vaccine, but all the boosters. So stop. You know, if these guys, men and women, want to join the military, then let them join, whether they're vaccinated or not, because it doesn't matter. Moving on. So here's something I want everybody to think about. Now, and I'm not saying don't go vote, and I'm not saying, you know, especially don't go vote Republican. But here's the thing. As insane and as as evil as these people are, these Democrats and their cronies, when and if things change in Washington as far as who holds the power, so if it switches from Democrat to Republican, minus the White House at this time, Stand by for what they're going to do when it comes to that because they'll put a fury of bills on the table that'll pass like, you know, bolts of lightning because they know their time is limited. They'll only have till what, January to get it done. So the the thing is, if you think what they pass now and what they're doing now is sick and evil, wait till you see what happens if the Republicans win. I'm just putting that out there. So let's get moving. Friend or foe? You know, there's something about the name of Jesus. I use it in my shows and so forth and so on. But there's something about that name that you need to know. The name of Jesus always has been and always will be our first and last line of defense against human and ultimately spiritual wickedness and evil. It is the name above all names. There is no name under heaven that mankind must be saved by. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God also hath exalted him, Jesus, and given him, Jesus, a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And amen. So the thing is, it's not merely reciting the name that's powerful or um, right, but rather it is the authority that's behind the name and our position within it that makes the difference. John seventeen eleven says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. So in other words, Jesus is talking to the Father, and at the time he's saying this, pretty much he's saying, you know, I'm I'm gone, I'm going. But his followers were still there, and he's coming to the Father. So Holy Father, he goes on to say, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Amen for that. So when we proclaim the name of Jesus, we're letting both heaven and earth know that we are joint heirs with Christ, and we declare our family name. In such an environment of grace and mercy, we have the authority to call upon his name for the answer to our prayers. Amen to that. So recent developments, let's look at this. Recent developments, American history, 
I believe are prophetic. I believe in, you know, my shows, I speak a lot about prophetic fulfillment of prophecy or the coming fulfillment of prophecy. And I believe personally that this prophetic fulfillment or these developments, it involves the kind of chaos in the streets we see today, for one thing, the violence and just the upheaval. All right. There's no respect for authority or anything of that nature whatsoever. So really, it's not just in the streets, but it's in the homes and the schools and in the malls. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Right. And then you got the, you know, the rising inflation rates, which in June rose to a whopping 9.1 percent. That's sick. The cost of living, which also is a sign of the end times showed food prices increased by 9.4% on average. That's the largest rise in 40 years. If you take all this plus much more, combine it with the growing hostility toward, guess what? People of faith. Now what you have is prophecy being fulfilled. I'm not saying that without the prosecution of people of faith, it's not prophecy fulfilled. But when you add in the people of faith, you got something going here. In fact, several prominent writers, they've recently penned op-eds in which they argue how the Soros-Obama anarchists who are burning down our major cities, they're soon going to turn their outrage from toppling statues, including Christian ones, and to setting churches on fire to their real end game. They're going to be out to cancel Christianity itself. This is one of the things I warn about between November and January if the Republicans you know, sweep it in Washington. This is a serious consideration. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying don't vote Republican. I'm just letting you know, you know, talk about hitting the fan. Yeah, I wouldn't question it or doubt it. But now here's what I want you to consider and the subject I want to discuss. It involves what most, if not all, have failed to see or even mention and is one of the greatest threats that will ever be raised against the authentic body of Christ. And that is religious Christians themselves. Most students of prophecy understand a time is coming wherein true believers will be, quote, beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, for not worshiping the beast, neither his image, neither receiving his mark upon, his fore, upon their foreheads or in their hands. That's in Revelations chapter 20, verse 4. Drink of water. Yet, the thing is, is when you discuss these end-time scenarios, and in particular the subject of rigorous prosecution, often overlooked is the role that leftists or liberal Christians are being shaped today to play against the true body of Christ. When you talk to even Christians about certain elements or certain things in prophecy that says it's going to happen, they're clueless as to what you're talking about or that it even exists, because unfortunately, as I've said so many times, their churches are void of the, of the absolute word of God. Now, it would seem beyond, you know, if it were not for what the inspired texts themselves convey. So the texts tell us this is how things are going to be. Jesus predicted a time when whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. That's in John 16, 2. So what he's saying here, they're going to believe that what they're doing is serving God of the greatest, you know, service. 
kind of like the the you know in Islam, to kill an infidel is like the great you know, and you get how many seventy two virgins. Interesting is I wonder because they never say whether they're male or female. <laughs> hey, that's just a little you know religious humor, anyways. And then in Matthew twenty four, he told his disciples this: Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all groups of people for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. Now this is interesting. <laughs> be hated of all groups of people, and then many be offended. Isn't it interesting that today, politically, we see this hate. We see the hatred that the left has for the right, right? And how offended the left becomes by the right, okay? And they're more than willing, ready, and able to do what? Betray one another and hate one another. Now, that's a secular thing that I just put in there, but, you know, you got to understand this is how it works. So elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus says these events are, quote-unquote, the beginning of sorrows. These events or conditions could be described as the coming era of, a great tribula of the Great Tribulation or Jacob's troubles. Soon the Antichrist, or the son of perdition or man of sin, will have power to make war with the saints, I quote that, and to overcome them, end of quote. That's Revelations 13.7. You can also see Daniel 7, 21 to put this all together. So following these verses, there is a description of a second beast with two horns like a lamb who speaks like a dragon. Now the lamb obviously represents, you know, Jesus or, you know, religion. But in this case, <laughs> it speaks like a dragon. So, and that's Revelations 13. Now, most of evangelical scholars identify this second beast as the leader of the end times religious institution who will be under Satan's control. That's a one world religion. The phrase, spoken about that before, but I got to move on. The phrase, like a lamb, indicates he will pretend to represent the Lamb of God, there you go, and the Christian church, while the expression speaks like a dragon. Listen now, pay attention identifies the devilish source of his authority and power. Because the dragon, remember, is a representation of who? Not the Lord, but Satan or the devil. So this final global super church leader will be a murderer, not unlike the Antichrist, and will cause, quote, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And that's Revelations 13, 15. Thus we see in the book of Revelation outlines how the political figure of Antichrist derives ultra-national dominance from the world's religious faithful through the influence of an ecclesiastical leader, also called the false prophet, who will not hesitate to swim in the blood of the genuine saints of God. Now, I'm not going to mention any names, but their headquarters in Rome, and they swam in the blood of the genuine saints of God several times. Look at the Crusades. 
So in the days between now and when these men of sin are identified, this reality that latter-day churchgoers will soon believe they are serving the kingdom of God by participating in or approving the deaths of conservative Christians, this is not a concept lost on all contemporary churchmen. There are those who see things taking shape even now for a war that will eventually pit religious Christians against real members of the body of Christ. In fact, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, he stated in 2014 that modern Christians will soon be called to suffer and even die for the faith in a new era of martyrdom. That was just in 2014 he said that. But a clarifying document that was not supposed to be made public and which was authored by a senior advisor to Welby's predecessor, this document details how such a time of great persecution is coming because true believers will, according to the letter, be driven underground by liberal Christians and will become a dissident association comparable to resistant movements during World War II. Now, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, boy, I used to love to listen to that man preach. You can find his sermons online. I I guarantee you, you're going to love them. But anyways, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, one of, as I said, America's most beloved Bible teachers in the past century, he taught the same and clarified that these true biblical believers would ultimately be driven underground by none other than, yep, you guessed it, latter-day denominational churches. See, that's that religious thing, denominational churches. So another of the so moving on another of the twentieth centuries we keep getting into this but I found this very interesting and very telling these are very learned and and studied individuals that I'm using here I don't just use anybody in my opinion these people are worth their salt so another of the twentieth century's most perceptive writers was pastor and author A W Tozer I have several of his books who likewise wrote, let me go out on a limb a little bit and prophecy. I see the time coming when all the holy men whose eyes have been opened by the Holy Spirit will desert worldly evangelism one by one. The house, institutional Christianity, (coughs) will be left desolate and there will not be a man of God, a man in whom the Holy Spirit dwells left among them. So he says he sees a time when the Holy Spirit will leave the quote-unquote organized church and it will no longer dwell within its memberships. Now, interestingly, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was brought to view and to witness that the Spirit of God left the temple and left it void or devoid. So these Holy Spirit devoid church attendees will soon join other quote-unquote religious types to constitute Antichrist apostate apostate religious and political order. See, it's going to be a combination. One's going to support the other. And this is a connection um, to Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17. And as unfathomable as it may sound, they will seek to formulate perhaps the most erroneous rank among the man of sin's Gestapo members in their appetite for destroying latter-day truly born-again believers. This is really, really, really not good. So, 
Impossible it can happen? Well, let me tell you. Tell that to the train loads of Jews who vanished beneath the brutality of Nazi Germany members who maintained their Protestant faith, or to the hundreds of thousands of men and women and, and children who have died since the days of Christ's crucifixion and the martyrdom of his disciples at the hands of institutional church authorities and holy temple leaders. But now what was old is new again, and we see it. And as a militant spirit of evil pushes through the veil toward a final supernatural conflict, violent clashes over matters of faith are once more boiling around the globe, all around the globe. All right? So, what do we have? We have a wake-up call. We have a situation where members or family and friends and neighbors could possibly be, or we would ask the question, are they a friend or a foe? Are they for us or are they against us? And listen, friends, pay attention. Don't ever think that just because they've been such a great friend for so many years or a great neighbor for so many years or for all of your years, a family member. Because the bottom line is the line is being drawn in the sand. There is, with no doubt, a division in the church and throughout the world between true Bible-believing Christians and nominal Christians or nominal believers. And those who are secular support the nominal or, you know, on the fence Christians. You can't ride the fence. You got to be on one side or the other. So as true Christians, believers in the whole word of God, we must stay prepared and be ready no matter where our foe comes from or why. So once again, ask, friend or foe? Well, listen, I got to let you go, everybody. Time's up. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I uh, very much appreciate your listening and your sharing, and I hope that we'll be able to talk to you again soon. God bless everybody. Stay safe. Goodbye.